from Kurtco Media. Coming up on Life Done Better. That which presents pain and suffering, we bring closer and closer and actually bring it into our heart and merge with it until we can answer the question, can I live with this pain forever? In the affirmative, yes, I can. And usually when we do that, we realize it's not quite as bad as we thought. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeJong. My guest today is Greg Hammer, medical doctor, Stanford University professor, author, and mindfulness expert. Greg is going to address how to recognize the signs leading up to a burnout and how to avoid a burnout in the age of remote work. Hi, Greg. Welcome to the show. Good to be here. It's such an important time to talk about burnout. How do we recognize burnout? That's a good question. First of all, let's define it. Burnout is a state of mental and physical exhaustion, which comes from stress. And this is a time when I think we're all under extra stress, given the pandemic. Everybody's got their own particular circumstances, but I think we're all aware of the global pain and suffering that's ongoing now. And even for people like me who have it relatively well, it's still a time of some sadness and generalized stress. And chronic stress leads to increases in the adrenaline in our body and the cortisol in our body. And and those have deleterious effects on our cardiovascular function, our immune function. And those hormones or chemicals actually induce changes in our bodies akin to aging. For example, our chromosomes have little protective caps at the end. I would liken them to the protective tips on our shoelaces. They keep our shoelaces from fraying. And telomeres have the same function at the end of our chromosomes. And we know that as we age, our telomeres get shorter. And it's been shown that chronic stress is associated with a shortening in our telomere length. So it's as though our chronic stress actually causes us to age at a more accelerated rate. So it's certainly something we want to identify. We want to know what the drivers of burnout are, and those drivers will help point us toward solutions. So how do we recognize burnout? Well, we can see it in other people when, for example, their patient seems thin earlier and earlier in the day. People seem distracted. People who have burnout tend to have poor sleep as a result of stress, and so they look tired. When we're tired, we often reach for sugary foods or fatty comfort foods to give ourselves a a short-term boost. So we may observe that eating behavior in our friends and colleagues and in ourselves. So a lot of signs and symptoms of burnout. Sometimes it is easier to recognize it in someone else before we recognize it in ourselves because we're living in our own environment the whole time. And sometimes the way we respond day to day may feel like that's just who we are. But if you take us out of a stressful environment, we may just feel so different. So sometimes we need someone else to point it out and say, hey, you look like you need some rest. This is really dangerous. This is where, you know, we get really sick. This is not something you can just recover from from one day off. I would say that conditions that we have that take weeks to months or even longer to develop are not remediated overnight. But the first step, as you alluded to, is really recognizing what the problem is. And I think because so many of us feel exhausted just from the pandemic. I mean, how many of us are thinking, I am so over this? And I think that 
being home presents a whole a host of problems as well. So yes, it might be a silver lining that we're spending more time with our kids at home and spending more time with our loved ones who live with us. But on the other hand, the loss of a schedule, a disruption in our sleep, the fact that work tends to spill over into all hours of the day and evening, there are a lot of adverse effects of this working, so-called working from home environment. This is a time for all of us to embrace the GAIN principles as my method of embracing gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment, which is in the title of my book. And one element of intention is to really be purposeful about the way we are conducting ourselves at home and really being intentional about having a schedule. For example, uh, our sleep hygiene tends to fall apart. That is, you know, we blend working and relaxing and sleep times. They sort of disappear, as you alluded to. So we need to be intentional about having a bedtime. We need to be purposeful about having a time when we wake up as though we were actually going out to work. So we need regularity in our schedule, our sleep, for example, our meal times, our times for work, and our times to be with our families and loved ones. And it's a challenge. We have to be intentional about it. And then it is something that we can accomplish if we actually are clear and we identify what our purpose is. I love that you say that you want to schedule the time to rest in and to make clear boundaries, because I think that that really is lacking. There's a lot of blurred lines. Last week, I started to schedule free time, time to do nothing, turn my phone off because I was scheduling exercise, clients, calls. I mean, I schedule everything except for rest. I wasn't scheduling rest. It was just like, go, go, go. And I got to tell you that that day where I was supposed to relax, probably two hours, the first hour I was doing the dishes, I was cleaning up, I was doing the laundry because all these things needed to get done. And I was like, well, you know, might just get it done now. But at the same time, I felt like, well, it will relax me more if I got this done. So after an hour, I had to stop myself like, Jill, go outside. These two hours were not meant to clean up. Go. But it was really hard. I got to admit, it's not even easy to just say, you're done. Turning the phone off is a really good first step for me because as soon as I'm not reachable anymore, I feel like I can just breathe for a little bit. Yes, well, I think you're outlining a good example of intention again. You can do that. You can have time that's protected, but you have to be purposeful about it. You have to turn your phone off or you have to be committed to not answering your text messages and your emails right away. And we're so habituated to responding immediately, thinking that our friends are expecting us to respond right away. They may not even be bothered if we don't, but we put these ex expectations on ourselves. And that's part of the stress that contributes to burnout of the type of culture that we have now, this sort of point and click, rapid fire, rapid response culture where we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And I think we need to be very intentional about identifying that as a, as a source of chronic stress and leading to burnout or contributing to it. And once we identify what the issue is, we can take action, just as you have said. So what does your typical day look like now? And how is that different before COVID? Well, that's an interesting question. I would say that depends on uh, what my assignment is for that day. So, you know, some days I'm at the hospital, I, a pediatric anesthesiologist and intensive care physician. I also have a research lab at Stanford. So on my days when I'm in the operating room, for example, 
it's become more like business as usual. We're, we're very busy. One obvious difference is we keep our masks on all the time. So of course, you know, when someone's wearing a cap and a mask, it's a little bit impersonal. It's a little bit sometimes hard to tell who we're passing in the hallway. But other than that, I mean, we do stop and talk to each other. We certainly work together in the same way that we did before the pandemic. So things are, are almost normal at work, I would say. Um, we canceled all non-emergency surgery initially back in the spring. You know, when we started doing those surgeries again, there was a backlog. So things were extremely busy. And I think now things have sort of normalized in terms of the workload. So that's actually good because I was getting very isolated in the beginning, not seeing people. And I actually had back surgery, so I wasn't going to work for three months. And so I'm glad to be back and I'm glad to see my friends and colleagues at work and be able to help others in a way that I find so beneficial to me. Yeah, so rewarding. I'm sure that as you are spending a lot of time in the intensive care department, it must be pretty intense. You know, the things you see daily and the absolute necessity of the surgery and care that, you know, you're part of must be absolutely insane, first of all, and then super rewarding because you really make a huge difference in people's lives and it can be life or death. Daily. Absolutely. Well, I'm very grateful. You know, the, the gene gain is gratitude and that is on my list every morning during my gain meditation is how grateful I am for the privilege of serving these children and their families. It's, it's uh, very rewarding. And I made the decision to do what I do many years ago and I've never looked back. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to serve. There's two kinds of happiness, as I explain in the happiness chapter. There's hedonic happiness, which comes from things like, you know, having a great meal, getting a promotion, maybe having an intimate experience with a partner. Those bring temporary, very real happiness, but hedonic happiness is characterized by ups and downs. You know, we get very happy about something and then we almost get proportionately unhappy yeah. when things change. Whereas eudaimonic happiness comes from serving. And that is really an enduring happiness. And I certainly recognized a long time ago that for me to be at peace and to be happy, I needed to be helping others and I needed to be serving. And that has remained true all these years. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for that opportunity. As a giver, as a caretaker, as someone that helps others and is a hero for others, do you find it hard to receive that same type of care sometimes? I do, as a matter of fact. I mean, it, it's a bit of a, a personality flaw, as a matter of fact, because the, the truth is, if I don't open up and receive, then I'm depriving somebody else of the opportunity to give and to serve me. And so I think that's sort of an inherited trait in the male lineage in my family is having a difficult time being on the receiving end, but I'm working on it. Oh, I love that you recognize that you, you don't want to deprive the other person from that wonderful feeling in that giving, in the, what you do daily. If by receiving, you're giving someone else an opportunity to serve and to feel great and to really feel like they made a difference that day. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. A Moment of Your Time, a new podcast from Kurt Co Media. Currently 21 years old, and today I felt like I'm magic extended from her fingertips down to the you base of my spine. You have to take care spine. of yourself because the world needs you and Trust your Trust me, voice. every do-gooder that asked about me was ready to spit on my but dream. Her fingers were facing me. You can feel like your purpose and your worth is really being. Going to stop me from playing the piano. She buys walkie-talkies. 
wonders to whom she should give the second device. Cats don't love humans. We never did. We never will. We just find the ones that are... The beauty of rock climbing is that you can only focus on what's right in life. And so our American life begins. We may need to stay apart, but let's create together. Available on all podcast platforms. Submit your piece at kirkco.com slash a moment of your time. And we're back with Dr. Greg Hammer. So when was the last time you felt burned out? Well, you know, I lost my beautiful son at the age of 29, three years ago, and I didn't really take any time off work. I kept going at full speed. I didn't really have time to grieve. And I did find that as months and months went by, I was becoming more impatient. I wasn't sleeping as well. I was fatigued. Things got on my nerves. You know, it's common for people in high-stress jobs, I think, to get a little bit testy or impatient at the very end of the day when they're trying to get out of work and, in my case, out of the hospital and get home. But I found that that process was happening earlier and earlier in my day. I was getting kind of aggravated and things would get on my nerves. And so I was actually getting burned out and it did affect my behavior at work to some degree. So I was fortunate enough to have some sabbatical time and so I took uh, six months of sabbatical. I kept my lab activities going, but that's actually when I decided to write the book. I thought, well, what should I do during the six months? And that change of pace where I was able to step out of my work environment and be home much of the time. And fortunately, I have a beautiful home and a beautiful place on Stanford campus. And, and that break from work did me a lot of good. So I can say that I have experienced burnout and I'm committed and, and through my intention will make sure as best I can that I don't get back into the same patterns that contributed to that chronic stress to begin with. And, you know, I always go back myself to my gain practice. So the G is for gratitude and it helps me every day to be grateful. And I am in fact grateful for many things. And so I do my gain meditation every morning and the first component of my contemplation, once I've gotten in touch with my breath and slowed it down, which slows my heart rate down, kind of brings the adrenaline level in my body down, I contemplate that for which I'm grateful. And I'm very fortunate to have good health. I live well. I'm grateful for my friends, my family. I have a wonderful job. I had a wonderful home live in a beautiful place. And so I kind of review all of these things that represent gratitude for me. And the A in gain is equally important. It's acceptance. We can't just do what some have termed a spiritual bypass and just say, you know, life is rosy and I'm grateful and everything's great. I think we have to sit and take into our company that which is painful and causes suffering in our lives. And, you know, we know that there's pain and suffering around the world, particularly during the pandemic, but just as a condition of ordinary human life. And much of this is personal. We have our own personal pain and suffering. And so it's the second phase of gain contemplative meditation that is to actually, as we breathe deeply and slowly with our eyes closed in a comfortable place, we actually visualize our chest opening and our heart opening. And that which presents pain and suffering, we bring closer and closer and actually bring it into our heart and merge with it until we can answer the question, can I live with this pain forever in the affirmative? Yes, I can. And usually when we do that, we realize it's not quite as bad as we thought. 
we're sort of dreading thoughts of this thing, whether it's the loss of a loved one or some adverse development at work or outside of work, we kind of dread thinking about it. But when we actually sit with it and practice acceptance and merge with that pain and suffering, it actually turns out generally to be less severe than we had thought. And I think that's part of finding equanimity and being mindful is, is acceptance. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about the I and gain, which is intention, setting the intention to have a schedule at home during the pandemic, if we may be working at home, having intention, as you suggested, to get away from work by turning off your phone or, or setting hours during which you'll work outside of which you won't work. The N is non-judgment because, you know, Jill, we're always making judgments. We're always comparing people, you know, one friend to another or this person to that or others to ourselves. This is bad. That is good. This is better. That's not as good. And it's really exhausting and it's rarely of benefit. Constantly judging everything in our environment leads to self-judgment. And we're perhaps hardest on ourselves. And I think we would be better served in general by when we recognize that we're judging to drop the judgment. Absolutely. What really stuck with me when you said acceptance, I felt like you meant sitting with the emotion and going through the emotions because before the real acceptance can land and become hard, you also have to maybe shed those tears, right? And scream and really go through the emotion and not just putting them aside or working hard. So, you know, we don't have to deal with them. And I'm so sorry for your loss. It's absolutely awful to lose your son. And I think a lot of men naturally feel like they kind of hide from it first. Men uh, seem to process grief and emotions a bit later than women do. Is there a difference in your experience? Like how do stress and burnout affect men and women differently? I think what you said is probably true. And that is, uh, you know, the culture for men is, you know, this is stereotype, obviously not true in every case, but we tend to want to project an image of strength. And that means that we pretend that things don't bother us, even tragic occurrences. We can handle it. Don't worry about us. And that is sort of a male trait. And it does dissuade us from really sitting with the pain and, and discomfort in order to really accept it and merge with it. And so I think in many cases, women are a bit more adept at that than we men are. But again, I think recognizing that tendency is the first step toward veering to a, a more equanimous course or a, a course of equanimity, I should say. You know, as you suggested with burnout, the first step is really recognizing the problem. And then we can, through recognition, we can set our intention to transcend that particular barrier. Now, did, did you feel like there were people around you that were there to hold space for you and to help you through this time? Do you feel like they recognized it maybe even before you did yourself? In general, friends and, and colleagues and acquaintances often don't really know what to say. So if, if you've suffered the tragic loss of a close family member, in particular a child, Others are typically, unless they happen to have gone through that experience, they really just don't know what to say. You know, there are no words. So when, when they see us, they may be at a loss. And as a result of that, sometimes they avoid us. 
Yeah. Sometimes they ignore the problem. Sometimes they come out and, and express their grief and their empathy and let us know that anything they can do to be helpful would be just ask. So there's really a variety of ways that people respond to others who are going through difficult times. I think we all need to be more comfortable with each other and ourselves. And again, this is part of the acceptance emphasis. And that is, first, we have to understand what the pain is and then how best to deal with it. And it's really just to open our hearts and, and let it in and merge with it. And I think we can do that for ourselves and we can also do that for each other. Absolutely. I recognize all that you're saying because we also had a very sudden family death. My father lost his wife very recently and he's going through the grieving process this year uh, in the past seven months. He is telling me that people don't know how to respond or how to handle him, how to talk to him. But he is fortunately a really good communicator himself. And he says, I want to talk about her. I don't want to like talk about the weather, you know, and all the little things in life. I want to keep talking about her. I said, okay, good. I'm glad you're telling me because then I understand better what you need. Because obviously we don't want you to feel sad every time we bring up her name. But if you want to talk about her, let's make time for it. And I think that's also really important if you're, if you're in a difficult situation, if you're going through divorce uh, or some other form of loss, maybe you've lost your business. Tell others if you do wish to talk about it or if you rather not. I think it's a really important thing to express because people really don't know. And friends and family and even neighbors, the community around you, they do want to be there for you. But we also have to educate them on how they can be there for us. Well, I agree. I think that's very well said. We shouldn't expect those around us to be mind readers. You know, these things can be very sensitive and people deal with them differently. Some people who go through a tragic loss really don't want to discuss it. So I, I agree with you completely that we have to be reliant on others to express themselves. And if they're not, then perhaps we can elicit some response. But don't make assumptions that the other person does or doesn't want to discuss it. It's really very difficult to discern and so I think we should be direct, just as you suggested. Wonderful. For everyone that's listening and you're interested to learn more about what Greg Hammer does and all about his experiences, read his book, Gain Without Pain. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. How can we stay in touch with you? Well, thank you for asking, Jill. My website is greghammermd.com lowercase g-r-e-g-h-a-m-m-e-r-m-d.com and there are links to a lot of media and lots of other interesting tidbits on that website there's also a link to the amazon page with the book and the the game without pain your happiness handbook pocketbook will be out soon and early in 2021 Greg, I so appreciate you sharing everything with us today, you know, from your professional life to your very personal life, your insights. You know, I really enjoyed connecting with you and I wish you all the best. And please keep giving the way you do. Please keep doing the research. You are a wonderful contribution to this world. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. And I would say the same. Keep up the good work. This episode was produced and edited by AJ Mosley for Kurt Co. Media. Mastering by Steve Ricky Bird. Thank you again to our guest, Greg Hammer. If you have any thoughts or questions you'd like me to answer on the show, feel free to send us an audio message or text to 323-522-5006. I repeat, 323-522-5006. 
Until next time, my friends, have a beautiful day. From Kirkco Media, media for your mind.